0: Totally Football Show. Today, nominative non-determinism special with a manager named Keane who makes players say they'd rather not to a team with George Ware that has no precedent to a man named Loris who's not roadworthy and another who says he must not go to Russia's capital. All of that, plus we gaze agog at the fixtures coming up this weekend in club football, Watford against Man United, Cardiff, Chelsea and all the rest of that kind of thing in the Totally Football Show. Lena Linz playing us in on this edition of the Totally Football Show with a little bit of a karaoke vibe there. And Dr. Tom Markham, fresh back from Rio de Janeiro, joins us <laughs> on the show alongside the vocal talents of, of course, James Horncastle and Brazil's very own adopted son, Jack Lang. Jack, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. Dr. Tom. morning, James. Bon? Uh, Good <laughs> morning, ah, Outstanding. And Eup, James. Aye. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> Alright, great to have you all in. I just know there's a real Brazilian theme there. Of course, you're fresh from producing the cinematic Meisterwerk that is Kaiser, the greatest footballer never to play football. Uh from which that track is lifted, of course, reworking of the of the Kaiser Chiefs. Which there's a there's a double
1: play going on there, I now realize. Absolutely. And and I just said that to, to Jack before we came on air that right. uh after a few Caiprenias, uh, just off the Copacabana, we came up with that logic, because obviously in the film there is a big riot in the, in the crowd when Kaiser gets sent off. Right, in one, of, so, one of my favourite bits of his entire story. Yeah, so yeah. That, that's where, how it came about.
0: All right. There's literally, Jack, so much to talk about. I bet there is. I mean, we've got Premier League coming <laughs> back this weekend. No, we, there really is. I'm not sure how to take your reaction there. But um, before we even go near club football... There's so much I want to talk about from the the wide world of international football. Um, first of all, quick comment. England beat someone, in this case, Switzerland. a Switzerland side had just done Iceland 6-0, so, you know, impressive. That was at Leicester on Tuesday. Your thoughts?
2: I thought the first half was fairly tedious. England quite disappointing. It felt like a return to the meaningless friendlies that the UEFA Nations League has done away with, really. And England's performance, I thought, followed suit. It was just a bit uh, clumsy. A couple of errors in the first half. There was an improvement after the break. But I would say Switzerland were fairly unlucky not to get something, not that it really matters a great deal.
0: Two goals in two for Marcus Rashford uh, after none in 26 for Raheem Sterling, whose place he took. Scary numbers. Also from England's group, equally scary numbers. Spain's 6-0 win over Croatia, that's World Cup finalist Croatia, to you. Did you see this, James? I've seen the goals and they're pretty oh.
3: extraordinary. <laughs> I mean uh, even the first one uh, was, was pretty direct suggestive of a new direction under, under right. Luis Enrique and that's, you know, Sergio Ramos plays, what, a 40 metre ball out to how wonderful outside of the foot cross for Saúl,
1: um, but yeah Marcus Asensio
4: Arbitro francés Asensio
0: And that wonderful assist laid on by the Croatia defence for Asensio. Yes, yeah, that just gets better and better, doesn't it? Mm. So,
2: worth remembering, didn't play a single minute at the World Cup for Spain. mm. I know, obviously, they've got ridiculous strength in depth, but someone of that talent obviously made a big impact in the two games since. So it's nice, I suppose, when you're changing regime that one of the players you you bring in immediately has that impact. Absolutely. Good news for Luis Enrique.
0: In other news from the international, Scotland are now just three wins away from qualifying for Euro 2020, according to science. Dr Tom, you don't believe me, but I will tell you (laughs) that Scotland beat Albania, thanks to Stephen Naismith in particular, and they now will play uh, another game with Albania and Israel home in a way. If they get a home win over Israel and avoid defeat in the other games, that would be enough to top the section, which guarantees them a place in the playoffs in March 2020.
1: Fantastic. Now, I think tournaments miss supporters like the Scottish supporters, so uh, I think they'd be great a great addition to any tournament, and it's fantastic to see Alex McLeish doing all right.
0: Yeah. That Israel team, who will be Scotland's next opponent in the National League, beaten in a friendly by Northern Ireland this week, 3-0. Moving along, Portugal were without Cristiano Ronaldo, James, but it didn't matter. They still (laughs) beat Italy 1-0. Deservedly so. Yeah.
3: Because I think even uh, Donnarumma making a bit of a mistake, and his blushes were spared by Romagnoli making a clearance off the line, he was probably Italy's best player.
0: Portugal should have had a penalty as well.
3: Yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah.
0: How how, how much trouble are Italy
3: in? Uh, I think in considerable difficulty, um, made uh, worse by the manager, uh, Roberto Mancini, who. Um, doesn't seem to have figured out that um, this team can be relegated <laughs> into what Group B of uh, of the Nations League just seems to be treating it as a, a friendly I mean going away to the European champions and making nine uh, changes and fielding the youngest um, side that Italy have, have put out in yonks um, not uh, too
0: bright an idea
3: uh, f- from Bobby goal It's
0: the first time since their World Cup win that they fielded no member of that 2006 Uh, Champions side a a subject we touch and a theme we touch on we explore we revisit in this week's Golazzo huh now Turkey produced a stirring comeback to hold Sweden Alexander Mitrovic grabbed a a brace for Serbia in their 2-2 draw with Romania did you see his second you see Mitrovic's second Jack
2: I did yeah it it did actually take a small clip off a defender's leg when it Moved up in the air for him to volley, so I don't think it was as, as great. Made off. the volley all the
0: more difficult. I think so too.
2: <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll go, I'll go with that. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, that's Mitrovic, mm-hmm. who of course is on fire. Yeah. Since he's moved south from Newcastle, Iceland, meanwhile not on fire. Mm. Uh, Eric Anders Hamron coming in for Heimar Hulgrimson, and since then they've. Lost two, conceded nine, scored none. Yeah,
3: teething problems since they got rid of the <laughs> dentist.
0: <laughs> the dentist hey, they've lost that filling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they need. He needs to drill them.
3: Mm. Right, few too many gaps. Yeah,
0: <laughs> they were right.
2: so good at the World Cup, and now their form is just the molar opposite. <laughs> <laughs> that look, right, nice, James. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, of course, one of the biggest stories of the international week was Ireland. Trouble on the field, trouble off the field. We'll be talking about that after this. You're listening to The Totally Football
5: Show in association with Paddy Power.
0: Ireland. After being taken apart by Wales, a 1-1 draw in the friendly with Poland. On Tuesday, Dr Tom, Aidan O'Brien on his debut. No was Aidan O'Brien. Uh, so that's nice. but all, all positive, but overshadowed, of course, by the revelations and increasing concerns over the management approach of O'Neill and Keane, particularly Roy Keane. To quote Miguel Delaney, it's difficult to grasp whatever it is Roy Keane does and why whatever it is he does couldn't be done by someone less prone to explosive arguments. Dr Tom, this follows, of course, Harry Arter saying, yeah, no, you're right, when Ireland gave him a call-up for the Wales
1: game after an
0: explosive argument with
1: (laughs) Roy Keane. Yeah, I think, um, you know... We know we know how Keen operates. Nothing nothing ever really ends amicably. Um, I think it, there have been quite a lot of double standards. I was at a, an LMA event at the weekend uh, that Mick McCarthy was at, and I spoke to him about the whole situation, and he said that when he was managing Ireland. That uh, he would give Roy Keane an extra two days off. That he'd actually only train the night before the game. <laughs> to obviously get so so it's quite ironic. And this hasn't necessarily it wasn't come the
0: out. whole stick it up your bollocks episode about exactly. recovering from injury.
1: And particularly in in Jonathan Walters' situation, that you know he's he's in the twilight of his career. He he's in a he's a player that's very very physical. He's obviously had all these knocks, so he can't train every day. And Roy, of all people, should know that. So I, I think um, there's, there's quite flawed logic there from, from Keane's perspective and, and Martin O'Neill is left to pick up the pieces. All right. Well, what is the future then for Roy Keane? Do the results
0: demand anyway a change in the way the team is being run? And is the real problem? Stay with me here. The exciting go-getters in charge at the FAI. To, to get a view from Dublin, let's speak to Dion Fanning, who's the chief sports writer for Joe. Amongst his many other incarnations. This Roy Keane business. First of all, just give us a bit of perspective. How big a figure is he in the Ireland setup?
6: As a symbol, he's the biggest figure in the Ireland setup. What he actually does in the Ireland setup, uh, apart from fall out with people, is harder to gauge. But, you know, as a figure in Irish football and as somebody who draws attention to the Irish football team, which I think is the reason he's there as much as anything there isn't anybody bigger when keen does a press conference people want to go to it like keen is is a connection with with the great days of Irish football he was he was one of the greatest players Ireland ever produced and there is nobody else if you stop anybody in the street today and show them the, the current Irish football team they won't you know the chances are they, they'll barely recognise any of them but they will rec- all recognise Roy Keane mm.
0: That notwithstanding with the results that have been coming in and particularly with the current storm the leaked WhatsApp recording of, of, of Stephen Ward discussing his run-ins with John Waters and Harry Arter uh, how damaging is all that to Keane's position?
6: I wouldn't be surprised if Keane left the way you know, the, the, these things that have become kind of still surprisingly predictable in Keane's career, you know, these kind of Friday afternoon announcements, like when he left Manchester United, suddenly he, he, he has left. I think that could could happen with him at Ireland. The management team are under huge pressure after the Wales result and after the hammering Denmark gave them last year. Time is up for both of them. But Roy Keane, I don't know if there's any. There is any future in uh, in management for Keane. Like this is the kind of tragic thing. If you if you know if 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 I'm, if I'm going to overstate it a little bit, that you know a guy who's the same age as Pep Guardiola, uh, and when I covered I covered him an awful lot when he was at Sunderland in his first two years, and it looked like something kind of huge was going to happen there. You know, whenever he talked at that stage, when he was a player, whenever he spoke, he was so intelligent. He was fascinating about Manchester United, about Alex Ferguson, about Ireland when he took on the FAI and and the facilities. But it kind of turned out as he he transitioned into management that what he was fascinating about was essentially talking about himself. The fact that he was at Manchester United meant he, he... and himself and his problems were a huge problem because they were to do with the biggest club in the world. But as he transitioned into management, he didn't have that ability to care about other people and players the way he cared about his own problems. That has been the thing. And now he has kind of regressed into this angry old football man kind of shouting at the clouds. And it's sad because, as I said, he's the same age as Guardiola, he could be, he should be a figure of like a huge figure in Irish football and, and in, in management. Um, but instead, when this job ends, uh, he's, he's not going to go anywhere.
1: Doctor to Tom, yeah, so you, you were nodding vigorously during that. Yeah, I think that Dion was speaking in an awful lot of sense there. And you look at Wales and Ampadu, for example, who played the other night, who's been playing for Wales since he was 16. He could play for Ghana, he could have played for Ireland, and Wales got in there and capped him very quickly. Ireland have had problems over the Not years. Not in a, you know, gangster sense, <laughs> that would be. No. Right. But players, like, even... Kane could have played for Ireland Rooney could have played for Ireland if they were really on the ball and doing this but there are three
0: Could Harry Kane have played for
1: Ireland? Yeah OK And uh, the three players at the moment that are on the way up that are very talented Ryan Cassidy at uh, at Watford uh-huh. Troy Parrott at, at Tottenham who broke all of Robbie Keane's goal scoring records on the mm-hmm. way up and uh, Gavin... Uh, Bazuna, who's, who's gone to Manchester City, the, the young goalkeeper who's playing for Shamrock Rovers this season at, at 16, I think these people should be fast-tracked into the squads just, right. just to get them used to it.
0: Uh, but I imagine it's a little bit of a vicious circle that it's quite hard to convince players to, to commit
1: to Ireland in their current state. Well, that, and that's it. And, you know, you, get, you have to get them to buy into it. But... I agree with Dion that the management could potentially be getting a little bit stale, but they don't actually have the resources to fire these two guys. So it, they they basically end up with a a slab and village type of situation that you'd be bringing someone back to manage for free. So they're Fine. they're struggling to pay for the stadium uh, as it stands. So uh, so yeah, that that that's that's simply not going to happen. No. Oh.
0: OK, sorry about that, Ireland fans. Uh, Jack, I've got a list of other international excitements. I don't know if you've got things you want to throw in here, but for example, did you see uh, George Haji's son... Yanis. Um, Yanis. Mm. Uh, did you see the goal he scored from the corner? No. Against uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina under-21s. Ah, lovely. Olympic goal. <laughs> is is it, that what you call it?
2: Yeah, South Americans do, yeah. They call it an Olympic
0: goal? An Olympic goal. Why? No idea. Probably somebody scored one in the Olympics. <laughs> no, no, I, mean, I would imagine that's why.
1: Talk to mm. Tom. The uh, the academy that Georgi Haji runs, it's a team called FC Viterul in, in Romania. They won the they won the league a couple of years ago. Uh, it started off as an underage academy. I think they have nearly 60 of the underage Romanian players are, are here. Really? Uh, his son, obviously, he sold to Fiorentina and, and he came back to, to Romania, the guy who scored the goal. Uh, but yeah, that 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 is an absolute factory of talent. Wow. Okay. Uh,
0: speaking of offspring, meanwhile, Timothy Ware uh, won his fifth cap for USA USA as they beat Mexico one nil. Much needed boost for them. While eight thousand three hundred thirty-one kilometers away in Monrovia, Timothy's dad George plays seventy-nine minutes for the Lone Stars in a two-one defeat to Nigeria. George, now 51, and by day is president of Liberia. What did you make of this, Jack?
2: My favourite thing about this was that it it seemed to have surprised everyone involved. So the game was arranged to retire Weyer's number 14 shirt. And, you know, I'm sure he was expected there, you know, maybe take the opening kickoff or something like that. But 79 minutes. The way I read the story (laughs) was that, oh, you know... Television coverage started, people at the same. On, on he comes leading yeah. the team up. Fantastic. No
0: one had told Nigeria that it was a kind of legends <laughs> game because they fielded a, a pretty normal side. Uh, John Kershaw tweets, Please tell me. George's cousin played too. (laughs) Uh, Patrick Tarr says it wasn't such a. I I think there was a certain amount of dissent about this in Liberia. Essentially, the president. He got a standing ovation when he came off. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, according to Patrick Tarr, government business was suspended and Mm. workers were invited by email to go to the stadium to to watch the game. So, a certain amount of Sasha Baron Cohen about the the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anything else we missed?
1: Brazil South American stuff. Brazil,
0: Richarlison. Richarlison making his debut for the Celasau and getting on the score sheet.
2: Yeah, he was great. He was only a, a replacement call up. There's a, a guy called Pedro from Fluminense who originally was meant to be in the squad. Got injured, Richarlison came in and yeah, did Brilliantly, first goal curler from outside the area after linking up with Neymar and then a really instinctive left-footed finish later, also won a penalty. So, yeah, I think he took his chance really well and I'm sure he'll be involved next time.
0: Right, I, I called it his debut. It was his first start. He had actually come on as a sub previously. What a brilliant way to seize that opportunity. Yeah. Julio Lawrence can't understand it, though.
3: Just can't yeah.
0: figure <laughs> Now, Jung min is still out there playing internationals for South Korea. He's, he's, he's never coming back. This time it was against Chile. Did you see what he did to Vidal and Diego Valdez? Yeah, popped the ball through
2: Valdez's legs. And Valdez, of course, had landed himself in hot water for doing a, an offensive gesture of yeah. with a South Korean fan. So that, yeah. oh. nice, uh, skillful revenge.
0: Yeah, nice one. <laughs> a, a lovely little clip, that. Uh, anything else you want to throw in on the international tip before we move on, Dr. Tom or James?
1: The only thing that I think that's worth mentioning, you you, you talked about Spain and the development um, and, and Seoul coming through. But Northern Ireland, actually, the under-21s beat the Spanish under-21s, which Ooh. is some achievement given the, the conveyor belt of the talent there is in Spain. Uh, versus Northern Ireland, so hats off to them. In other news, uh-huh.
2: remember you were talking about Diego Maradona on Monday's show? Were we? You were. Right, okay. Uh, and you couldn't remember who he had previously signed you know, a I can now. kind of managerial job with before this Mexican club. It was in Belarus, Dinamo Brest yes. as chairman. And I wonder if he's plotting a career path here on the sex and drugs and rock and roll path. Dinamo Brest? yes. Mexican club in the middle of cartel land. Right. Drugs. OK. So who does he sign for next is the question.
1: Have to uh, be St. Pauli after that, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, yeah, that's
0: an interesting shout, actually. This is Diego Maradona, uh, who's signed for S- Doradas of Sinaloa, a club that is based, Jack, as you point out, in the heart of the Sinaloa drugs cartel. Maradona, who was coach of Argentina with uh, well, the 2010 World Cup, he then coached Dubai-based Al Wazel, in the UAE Pro League for the eleven twelve season, in May twenty eighteen, he was announced as a new chairman of Belarusian club Dynamo Brest. I think, though, after being presented by the club, he subsequently was never seen again by them.
2: Well, you say that, but the the chairman of Dynamo Brest
0: made a statement
2: after this Mexican thing and said, well, that was just unexpected news. And he considered Maradona still to be an employee right. of the club. Okay. I, guess, I guess maybe it was a, a loose chairmanship, as you might expect. from. Perhaps. Would you think this is going to last? He didn't look very well at the World Cup. Well, he said he regards this new step as salvation, mm. in that it's kind of a way that he's going to rescue himself from temptation. <laughs> uh, Temptation, of course, has had quite a strong hold on him over his Well, yeah, life. but,
0: you know, that's the nature of temptation. For sure.
1: He just
3: keeps giving in to it. Yeah. Well, know, be, I can resist it, anything except temptation. Yeah. He's you know. well, well
0: medicated. <laughs> hey, also on the international transfers front, we should update you vis-a-vis the John Terry situation to Spartak Moscow's chagrin. England's brave JT has decided he will not be making the journey, the transfer, for family reasons. extraordinary little statement that he put out. But uh, Sasha Gurionov pointing out that this leaves Spartak and their coach Massimo Carrera with a real problem. I think they've got three days to find a centre half. Mm. Yeah. Oh, well. Wow. They can go for Papi Gillibogi. They can indeed, Jim Because he's just been released by Sunderland. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Putting people together on the Totally Football <laughs> Show. Totally Football Show is live in London. All together now on Monday the 24th of September. That's me, James Horncastle, Duncan Alexander and Michael Cox. It's at the Queen Elizabeth Hall on the South Bank. Southbankcentre.co.uk is where you get tickets. Friday the 5th of October. We're in Manchester. That's with me, James Horncastle, Rory Smith of the New York Times and Daniel story not sure where Daniel Storey is of these days, actually. But anyway, uh, that's tickets. -tickets s-e-e-tickets.com to get a piece of that. Should be some sweet, sweet talking about football action. Premier League is back this weekend and it kicks off with Spurs against Liverpool. That's up after this.
6: He lines up to hit it and yes! It's deflected for a corner! That's over 12 corners! Yes! No time to take it though! It's finished nil-nil! What a result!
0: Sorry our fault You see with same game multibets from Paddy Power You can combine multiple selections from one match into one bet And you'll get money back as a free bet If one leg of your fourfold same game multibet lets you down Paddy Power, enough of the nonsense Applies to pre-match fourfold same game multibets on UK and top European leagues Max free bet £10 per customer per day Minimum odds Exclude shop bets T and C's apply 18plusbgumblerware.org
5: On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere This is the Totally
0: Football Show from Muddy Knees Media James, what's that you've got open on your laptop?
3: Well, I've been following Mark Wahlberg's um, sort of daily routine. Okay. Jimbo. So I was up at 2.30 this morning.
0: Um, That's gone very viral.
3: Yeah, yeah. I got my workout in between 3.40 and 5.15 a.m. Uh-huh. And right now it's, it's between 11 and, and 1, so I'm just spending family time with you guys. No, in a very
0: real sense. Um, and I'm yeah. not sure that, you know... Mark Wahlberg, who's who's paid to impersonate people for a living, is actually being entirely truthful with this now viral um, breakdown of of his schedule. I mean, it's, it's just. There's a lot of things missing for me from that list, but it's fascinating anyway. Well, Dr. also, Tom.
1: he's... Uh...
0: Dr. Tom's found something interesting. What are you pointing <laughs> at, Dr. Tom?
1: Well, I like the way that he said that he played golf from 7.30am to 8am. So anyone who can do an 18-hole round of golf in half an hour mm. is uh, is absolutely incredible. There is speed golf,
3: <laughs> um, of course. Maybe it's maybe it's that.
1: Um, I think he's having a laugh for myself. Jack? Well, I think
2: once you've done your daily cryogenic recovery, the golf will naturally come faster to you. Right.
0: (laughs) Okay.
3: His snack also lasts an hour and a half.
0: Well, that's interesting, isn't it?
3: Yeah.
2: So It's it's probably like a a slab of raw buffalo or something, (laughs) isn't it? (laughs) Mm. Preparation time isn't
0: worked into that. Yeah. Okay. Wasn't what I was intending to talk about at this point, James. Okay. Sorry about that. That's all right. Um, My schedule on Saturday, Mm -hmm. 12.30, very much sees me in front of the TV to catch Spurs meeting another of those teams with perfect records, you know, like last time when they got beaten by Watford. Yeah. This time they host Liverpool. Are you excited?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually excited because this is what Liverpool's first game against a, a top six side uh, and one that um, finished above them uh, last year and, uh, and beat them. Quite handsomely, four-one mm. uh, in in this in this fixture last season. So, um, big measure of of how far they've come. Obviously, you know, um, Liverpool did a lot of business in the transfer window. Spurs did not. Um, have they closed that gap?
0: Yeah, Tom. Why did Spurs do no business in the transfer window? Was it a policy decision? Was it because of
1: the stadium? I think it was primarily down to the stadium. Um, Obviously, there's been well-documented issues around the timing of that, so they probably will get some compensation back. But then again, you look at the situation that they still have to rent Wembley. You've also got, uh, I don't know whether it's been covered on the show previously, but some season ticket holders who bought a ticket for the new stadium actually have to pay more for their seats at Wembley. Wow. So they have to pay an extra three quid on, on top of all that, which isn't really on, I don't think, from a supporter's perspective, because it's already a real pain to get out to Wembley. Uh, so it's it's a little bit of an issue. But yeah, that's the main reason financing the stadium uh, has meant that they haven't been able to to get into the market, in my eyes.
0: Right. Jack, Liverpool looked a little bit more vulnerable against Leicester last time out, but Spurs definitely looked vulnerable when they got beaten by Watford and, and issues there Deli Ali, I think in doubt with a thigh problem Hugo Loris has well other worries not come into this fixture in the best of shapes
2: yeah after a, a good start to the season it has things have gone slightly off the boil for them I agree they were very anodyne against Watford I think the move to a back three in that one I think they've, they've often done that against Watford something about I guess Watford play two strikers not a lot of teams do didn't really work for them because they were just outnumbered in midfield I imagine they'll go back to a back four for this. But like you say, they will take inspiration from the 4-1 win last year. And actually, both games between these sides were really entertaining. Obviously, the Wembley game, not from a Liverpool perspective, but the other one was that 2-2 at Anfield with the two late penalties, Kane missing one and scoring one, Salah scoring in between. So I think this has got potential to be really interesting. And these games actually, talking about Spurs, but they're interesting for Liverpool as well because they're, it's always like a natural way marker for Jurgen Klopp because his first game in charge was against Spurs, and I someone uh, did a thing this week looking at the bench Liverpool had for that for Jurgen Klopp's first game, and just the improvement over the, these three years has been massive. You look at you know Randall Tishera Sinclair to the bench that Liverpool have now, and yeah, it's hard it's hard not to look at that and be impressed with the progress they've made.
0: Absolutely, both teams will be having Champions League games coming up uh, shortly afterwards. Liverpool at home to Pauli Saint Germain on Tuesday. Oof. Spurs are away at San Siro against Inter. Mm. Sellout predicted there at the Giuseppe Miazza. What awaits Tottenham?
3: <laughs> well, Inter, I think, have um, played below expectations so far this season, uh, In insofar that there was a lot of hype around them in the summer because they did a lot of business in the, in the transfer window. They seem to really upgrade the team signed uh, Raja um from Roma, Stefan de Vrij, uh, from Lazio, Kate Baldigiao from from Monaco. Um, and, yeah, me included, um, I, we're t- tipping them to be the challengers to the Juventus. Um, so when they lost to Sassuolo on opening night, um, that was a big surprise, notwithstanding their record against that team. So, look, I mean, I think it's it's going to be a case of can canning to get... Um, get in shape uh, for this game um, over the, over this international break because I think they're... What per- do
0: you think, can they? Based on what you've seen so far?
3: I think it's going to be tricky for them. Um, but, um, yeah, I think San Siro's first Champions League game with Inter in there for six years, I think if they can draw some kind of inspiration from that, um, it might help them lift their performance.
0: But Spurs, I mean remember what happened last time they went
3: yeah and also remember last time when Spurs played an Italian team yeah. um, Juventus they played oh, yeah. very well uh, for all but 15 20 minutes of that game which ultimately cost them and I think that's one thing that both these sides have in common is that um, they occasionally suffer blackouts um, where you know they allow their opponent into a game that they shouldn't be allowed into um, so I think there's actually quite a lot in common between these two sides they alternate between playing a uh, playing a back three and a back four uh, they're quite physical, um, like to play at a high intensity. But I, I think, just as those are Inter's kind of strengths in Serie I think Tottenham are stronger in those departments. Mm. So I think ultimately that will that will be brought to bear.
0: Okay, all right. Uh, returning to this weekend, Saturday afternoon sees Chelsea host Cardiff. A meeting of two great managerial minds there, Doctor Tom, in in the shape of uh, Neil Warnock and
1: uh, Mauricio Sarri, who you know. very very similar characters. All right. right. Um, no, I think you look at the fixtures that Cardiff have over September and October and I would be extremely surprised if Neil Warnock is still in a job at the oh, really? end of October. There was all the talk of Mourinho been been the first to go, then Claude Puel and even Mark Hughes. But for me, you know, Warnock is 70 years of age he's gone on record saying that he didn't want to manage in the Premier League again if they're in a situation where they've got one point or a couple of points uh, come October I think uh, Cardiff are going to be looking for a new manager They they did give Arsenal a bit of a scare last time out Any chance of doing something
0: similar to Chelsea at Stamford Bridge? i not, not convinced. Really, I, I was Jack, no. I was at Chelsea's
2: game against Bournemouth. Mm. They weren't brilliant by any means, but they controlled the game relatively well. They, I think they have had more passes than anyone else in the league so far. They're lacking a little bit of cutting edge, but I imagine the chances will come against Cardiff eventually, as right. they did
0: against Bournemouth. Chelsea with a perfect record so far. They are in action in the Europa League next week, facing Pauk. You may recall Pauk's owner, Ivan Savidis. Oh, yeah pulling out his gun last season at the end of a pout game against Olympiacos. He's still there, of course. <laughs> yeah.
1: There was a girl who was in uni with me, James, who worked for uh, Ayak And oh, yeah. she... Uh, the fans actually stormed their office and they were held captive for three days. What? So that that. So was... she was
0: working for AK, or yeah. AAC, and... AEK fans stormed the offices
1: and held them Yeah, held all of the, the administrative staff of the club captive for three days. And then what happened? Well they eventually there was a bit of a standoff and, and they let them out, but they're obviously quite passionate in Greece on on these matters. Too passionate. I'm gonna
0: say that crosses a line for me. Do you reckon they're using AEK forty sevens? <laughs> Almost certainly, Jack. Almost certainly. <laughs> um Man City playing Fulham. Um ooh. City put 10 past Fulham in the Cottage's last three trips to Manchester. Ooh, last time it was 5-0 at the Etihad. Do you know who scored a hat-trick? Atta Yaya Toure. Yeah. yeah. He's hey. now gone to Greece. He has, that's yeah. true. The home mm. of footballing passion. Mm. Um, I, I fear for Fulham here because they like to play football. I'm not sure if that's... I know Wolves were praised for doing that when they hosted City. Can Fulham do something similar, James? Look,
3: I like it when teams have a go and be courageous in these sort of situations. Um, you know, we've seen this sort of criticism that uh, Rafa Benitez got yeah. for basically parking the bus and losing all of these games two-one. Um, you know, at least you know tr- um, try and try and scare them. Um, and I think um,
0: and they are quite scary, aren't they? Fulham, they've got Seri, they've got Mitrovic.
3: Yeah, so I think they've they've, they've got match winners in in this side, and and with Mitrovic. He scored more goals in England's top two tiers than any other player since his Fulham debut in More in, in, in than Aguero, February. for example. Yeah, so Aguero's can be running scared, even though Aguero scored 27 goals in 34 games against newly promoted sides. So he likes, he likes playing against your Fulhams, your Cardiffs.
0: Mm, in and around those newly promoted sides.
3: Yeah.
5: You're listening to The Totally Football Show, sponsors of Melchester Rovers. Find out more at roytheroversofficial.com.
0: The late game on Saturday, listener, sees Watford host Man United. Watford, who are yet to drop a single point. Earlier, Emma Saunders, that's right, the match day announcer at Vicarage Road, popped into the Tooley studio to tell us about the secret to the Hornets' amazing start to the season and the art of emceeing down at the Vicarage. Do you do that kind of Italian thing of shouting out Troy and then the crowd respond, that call and response? <laughs> not
7: yet. Can you it's do that? It's something I'd quite like to do. Yeah. Um, I was out in the World Cup um, in Russia this summer doing the same kind of job. And there, because we were up against, uh, well, the other teams out there, they they had their announcers doing the same job that I was doing. And it was very much, goal! Right. And I was trying to explain to them, we don't really do that in England. But What, I just, what
0: do you I, normally do? Because I've not been to Vicar Troy.
7: At Watford. A goal scorer for Watford whoever it is, number nine, Troy Deeney, with a bit of oomph. But you're right, it's, noth- it's nothing like what you see in Italy in Spain. But in the World Cup, I did try and I, I dabbled in it a little bit because you can because you're there. Yeah. But Vicarage Road, it just doesn't really sound right.
0: Has anyone told you you can't, though?
7: No, I it's, a, good, it's a valid point. But the tr- you are relying on the crowd to go with you. I think it might require a bit of rehearsal. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: OK. And also because probably, you know, with Watford, they don't know their names pretty much. I mean, no one's heard of most of your players. Like if you were to say, Adalberto Peñaranda. Yeah. You see, if he you're you there as the players. announcer, you shout out Adalberto and everyone's going to go, what? Ooh. Exactly.
7: <laughs> is that is that
0: the secret of Watford's success this year? The fact that you haven't actually made as many changes as before?
7: Yes, I would say... The answer to the question is when everyone's saying, "What's changed?" Nothing. Right. Nothing has changed. That is and the secret. That is the yeah, exactly. That is the secret. And it was so obvious on the first day of the season when Watford played against Brighton, who had signed five hundred and fifty-eight players on deadline day, hadn't had the time to gel. Watford had this team by and large. Well, all of them, apart from Ben Foster, were here last season. The re- the regular starters this season. And Ben Foster's not even new. He's played for us before. So he's familiar with the surroundings of Vicarage Road. Perhaps not this team, but this isn't new to him. So that's what I would say to people. If they're shocked by Watford's start to the season, Mm. don't be. It's because they've had so much time to gel over the summer with a manager that is still there as well.
0: Right, OK. The defensive record's been outstanding. Who's the kind of unsung hero, though, of this Watford?
7: A lot of the fans would agree. Craig Cathcart. OK. Central defender is having a brilliant effect on Christian Cabaselli, who sits next to him in that back line. He has such a calming influence across all of them. And then when you add into the mixture, Ben Foster is then behind them as well. This air of calm is hugely at the root of the success of this Watford side. And it's something that Javi Grazia also practices too. And I think last season, um, particularly the tail end of last season, we dropped an awful lot of points in the latter um, part of games and a lot of that was sort of panic across the back line, switching off a lack of concentration and I think it's that air of calm in conjunction obviously with their fitness, which is notably better this season as well, Um, which which is the reason you're seeing such a solid Watford side from back to front.
0: And a perfect start to the season, which has prompted all sorts of fans for talk of and New Leicester and all that. <laughs> but you're rather concerned about what may happen in the next couple of weeks, beginning, of course, with Man United this weekend, but then Fulham away, Spurs away in the League Cup, Arsenal away. Ooh, some tough games coming up, no?
7: There are, but they went into this break beating Tottenham, which oh, yeah. we hadn't... I think the last time Watford had beaten Tottenham was 1994 prior to this. So... Again, Watford fans went into that fixture saying, if there's a time we're going to beat Spurs, it's going to be now. And I think they're going to do the same on Saturday. They'll go into that and think, if we're going to beat Manchester United, it's going to be now. Mm. They did beat them at Vicarage Road a couple of seasons ago. Brilliant victory um, that is very much the forefront of a lot of Watford fans' minds still now. And they'll be looking at the way Manchester United have started and thinking, why can't we do it again? I think that's also, there's been an obvious shift in the psychology too with Watford, in the certainly amongst the fans as well. You might look at a match like the Tottenham match, like Manchester United, and think, in inverted commas, free hit. You know, they can, they can go for it because they've beaten the likes of Brighton, they've beaten the likes of Burnley, Crystal Palace, prior to that, the teams that are in and around them as such. Hmm. They went into Tottenham and thought, we can win this. And they did. And they'll go against Man United and think, there's no reason why we can't win this either. And they'll go to Arsenal and do the same, I'm sure. So will the winning run continue? We'll have to see.
0: A, does this game count as part of the tough run? With all due respect to Man United, they are r- r- rotten on the road, are they not?
3: Yeah, I mean, has it not already started with with Spurs? I mean, yeah, but
0: they they sailed through that, didn't they? Yeah, but you know,
3: so so maybe we should look at this completely through a new prism of of Watford as you know the new potential Leicester. You know, who are just going to swipe through this this sort of supposedly difficult run? I don't think United were particularly convincing against Burnley, a Burnley side that, um, as we as we've seen, have really suffered from from playing in the Europa League and have been pretty banged up and injured because of that.
0: Well, James Horncastle, you were the person ahead of Watford Spurs who boldly called that the Hornets would defeat the Hotspurs. Yeah. What is your prediction on this one? <laughs> I'm going to go for another Watford win. No. Yeah.
2: Damn, Jack, what do you think? I think that's uh, not beyond the realms of possibility for sure. I think yeah. United actually have a very good record against Watford. Do they? I think uh so ten Spurs Premier before. League meetings they won nine. Oh really? Okay. Uh and I actually I thought I thought they were okay against Burnley. They were they had okay. a lot of chances and were a bit wasteful. But Lukaku I think has started to come to the table, maybe after a slightly slow start. Looked good in the international break as well. Uh Alexis Sanchez had the fortnight off and should be fit again i think i think a
0: a draw would probably be a, a reasonable result for both teams Really. okay producer ben by the way when emma was in thanks to emma for coming by was looking at the watford badge and saying hang on they're hornets why is there a moose on the badge so he did some digging and discovered it's actually not a moose it's a deer because because he says hertfordshire there you go um it was introduced in the 50s they dropped the deer in favor of a cartoon hornet in 1974, but it was so unpopular they dropped it and brought back the deer. Well, that's another fascinating tidbit of information. Do you have any other
1: uh, insignia-related uh, insights? What What did you think of uh, Inter Miami's new crest? Oh yeah, uh, yeah, I, I like flamingos. I liked it. Yeah,
0: are they going to be called the flamingos, or is there going to be another problem down the road there when they're named after a bee or something?
1: Oh, I don't know. They could be sponsored by Flamingo Land, like Hall were. What was Flamingo Land? Sorry, I missed that. Flamingo Land. You've never so heard so of Flamingo, Flamingo Land? I've not heard of Flamingo Land. It's what?
3: it's Yorkshire's premier theme park. Is it? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I I had to go there as a child. Uh huh. Along with Eden Park, um, the
0: uh, who did he play for? Yeah, he's so still, good, he's
3: yeah. on international duty with uh, with with Son. Right. But um, no, it's like it's a, like a World War Two camp. Yeah, that's my childhood. genuinely. Yes.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, I, <laughs> That No, but sorry, uh, FC Internacional de Miami or whatever,
1: they don't have a stadium yet. No, but it's 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 work in progress. But the way MLS franchise values are going now, they're actually costing more than Premier League clubs.
0: Really? Yeah. So that was a very smart move by he, he, Mr and Mrs Beckham. He's done a good deal there, yeah. All right. Okay. Now, uh, there's one other team in the Premier League with a perfect start and it is, of course... West Ham, not a single point, blemishing their record so far. Uh, they'll be attempting to defend that clean clean sheets. Uh, away at Goodison on, on Sunday, in a, in, a, in a match rich with memories for both clubs, Everton and West Ham, the David Moyes years, the Big Sam weeks, so many shared memories. Uh, what do you think? We talked about Richarlison. Is he back from suspension now? Huh? I think he's got one more. Has he still got one I more? Think so. <laughs> But despite that, do you fancy Everton, Jack?
2: I, I don't know how good Everton are. Actually, they're really oh. they're a bit of a conundrum to me at the moment. They've look to be quite good going forward. Defence still needs a bit of sorting out. I think it'll be interesting when uh, I think well Kurt Zuma played last time, but when Yeri Mina comes in, I'm sure the defence will have a slightly different look to it. Uh, I think there are there are green shoots there for sure, and when Rishal is in his back. I think him and Walcott on either wing will be interesting. Bernard, of course, yet to make his debut. Right. I think Walcott might still be injured for this one as well, so they will be a bit short here.
3: I think, yeah, I think they suffered some casualties in in the international break because, as you mentioned, Walcott's out injured. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who'd been coming in for, I think, Richarlison, picks up a uh, a knock as well. And you know, they've still got loads of casualties at the back. Um, so, West Ham. I'm not saying they're going to get something out of this, but, yeah, they... they it's It's certainly a out a a depleted everton side
0: all right four to beats from four for the the hammers, and the next three games are all at home uh, Chelsea Macclesfield and man united so that's a that's a run. They don't own their stadium of course dr tom if if things were to turn bad for them, how much trouble would
1: they be in financially? I think they'd be in a lot of trouble and obviously tried to find a ground share with Leighton Orient or the likes. So, But no, I don't think that's necessarily on the cards. LLDC, who looked after the the development and the legacy for the, the stadium, they don't really have any other options. So I know there have been some public uh, mudslinging matches, but I, I think everything will work out there.
0: Okay. on the field, meantime, they are bottom of the table and visiting a Toffees side that beat them 3-0 and 4-1 last season. Here's a question. Who scored the hat-trick in the wood at Goodison? Wazza. You're absolutely right. DC United's Wazza. Excellent. Wolves taking on Burnley. That's Sunday, 1.30. Could be a busy afternoon. That for Joe Hart, Burnley 19th, but now safely out of the Europa League, so able to focus their thoughts on uh, their domestic campaign the Clarets, but wolves, eh, Doctor Tom? Are they, they going to be a? Are they going to be top four contenders? The way they're going,
1: I wouldn't say top four contenders, but top they, what they, six? They, they could potentially get into Europe if they can, if you know the team plays the way it continues to play and with with the potential for for january signings as well so
0: a a lot of people have been wondering whether now their players are going to be ripe for plucking by bigger clubs but do you think wolves have the wherewithal and the will to hang on to them
1: i don't think that necessarily matters because you look a little bit like watford's model where you're signing richarlison for 11 million and selling him for 50 odd with with add-ons I don't think Wolves would have an issue in that. They have a conveyor belt of talent. They'll be able to sell players for massive, massive money. The interesting thing is you look at the strategy that Burnley had with the Europa League and you look at that second team that they put out for the home leg against Olympiacos they didn't want to be in the europa league they just wanted to stay in the premier league and continue to pick pick up their 100 million pound plus check mm. and that's the same situation sadly from a supporter's perspective that's happening with you know the carabao cup the fa cup the Premier League and Check staying, exactly. It is the staying in the Premier League is so vitally important to these sort of let's just say bottom thirteen, fourteen clubs that they'll sacrifice all the other competitions just to stay there.
0: Sounds like the time is right, ripe, ripe to introduce another cup competition across Europe. Mm. Uh, as indeed UEFA Jack were announcing this week. Yes, uh, I don't think
2: any details have emerged, but I think it's. I guess it's leaning towards the stratification of European teams, thinking that, you know, the the main one, the Champions League, or whatever it's called in the future, people want to see, you know, maybe the the sixth best English team against the fifth best Spanish team, rather than, you know, uh, Bate Borisov. Right. Like that, and so I guess those so. You got the teams. Champions
0: League and, and then the Europa League, and a lot of people got excited about this, thinking it'd be the return of the Cup Winners' Cup, which we haven't seen since when the kind of early noughties. When did the Cup well, Winners'
3: Lazio Cup were actually? the last team to win it? I think oh, were they were in '98, yeah. was that? Yeah, that was '99, James. Yeah,
0: at Villa Park. Mm. Wow, okay, a lot of people excited, as I say, by that notion, but the reality is what probably that this will be a competition that the beaten Europa League group sides can drop into. Is that right, Dr Tom?
1: Well, I, th- I think what UEFA are trying to achieve, and they've done this on the international front with, with the Nations League, and and they've done it with the other competitions, they're trying to fan out the fixtures to have as many televised games as possible. And we've seen even the the, the nights where you've got two games live. So that's what they're trying to create, is actually a competition where... it it will add to to the televised games Mm. and will mean that we'll have almost saturated coverage uh, of all of these games and ultimately it it generates more money from a broadcasting perspective. Yeah, that
3: that dreadful Thursday-Sunday schedule uh, fixture congestion is now going to become, what, friday Friday morning, it's just going to get even worse. It's going to get crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Mornings. Mornings. Yeah. The,
0: the, the great untapped market. Right. we're yeah. a- 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 moving people. in that direction, of course, the Gold Show returning next week with Champions League and mm-hmm. will now incorporate the, the new look Champions League afternoon fixtures. Yeah. So... Um,
3: but yeah, I, d- I agree with Jack. I think this is um, again, just moving towards a, a European Super League uh, in all but name uh, insofar as, you know, let's give the smaller nations another competition that they can be happy with, and we can say we're demo- democratising the game, when well, in actual fact all, all, all we're doing is getting more games uh, featuring more of the big teams.
1: I see. Did you see the uh, Agnelli comments yeah. about obviously having a Champions League final in, in New York after twenty Yeah, and
3: he's also advocated playing Champions League games on a weekend um, as well, So and moving, moving club games to, to a sort of Tuesday-Wednesday sort of way, so... As head of the European Clubs Association, yeah, he's certainly
0: driving this. All right, nothing is sacred. No, nothing. No. Not even the World Cup. Yeah. yeah, wow, that's so true. That's so true. Let's uh, let's just take solace then in more of the exciting games coming up this weekend. For example, Bournemouth Leicester, which sees Jamie Vardy back from suspension, so that's nice. I that should be a good game that Huddersfield against Palace. Very much down the wrong end of the table, Greaves says it's Huddersfield versus Palace this it already a potential relegation six-pointer. Palace, of course, on three points so far, tipped by Julian Laurent controversially to be uh, going down this year. It's a big game, that isn't it?
2: Yes, I guess it much will turn on whether Wilfred Zahara is back.
0: Good news is that he's back in training, but he won't be involved in this. The the good is, news. Is that good news? Yeah, well, it's good news that he's back in training. Oh. More good news for Palace is Benteke's fitness. Uh, he, he's not. <laughs> so.
3: Benteke, who missed four big chances in the 2 0 defeat to, to Southampton on match day four. Right, four. four.
0: What's his XG then? Four, is it? <laughs> yeah. Is that right? Am I doing this right? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's good. Yeah, good. Excellent. Agreeve was also asking, what are the chances of another 4 4 between Newcastle and Arsenal? Because. That fixture's rolling around again this weekend Arsenal were 4-0 up at the break The most but dangerous But ended up score, drawing man. 4-4 2011 this game Check Teote there well, Did he have a hat trick or something? He certainly finished the He scored the last goal He scored the last goal
3: He did score the last goal Three minutes from time jo- Joey Barton got a brace Two penalties Leon Best also scored Wow
0: Wow Extraordinary Anyway, what are the chances Of that happening again this time around? Big, I'd say no
1: Absolutely, the w- the way Arsenal are defending um, and the fact that Newcastle have some reasonable attacking players I think we could see a lot of goals like no other team you, you mentioned Cardiff earlier on I don't think Cardiff will be scoring two goals against many teams uh, this season so I could see that game being a wash with goals But um,
0: just r- run the Newcastle attacking options by me again Solomon Rondon Right, oh yeah that's true uh, Yoshinori
2: Muto Okay Huzulu Hazulu, Yep. Hazulu, Eyoza Perez. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And some, you know, some people who score from midfield
0: as well. Kennedy when he's on a good day. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think, James? Oh, Oracle? Um, Yeah, I I I fancy Newcastle for this one.
3: You do? Yeah, um, just because I think, you know, Arsenal's still a bit leaky. So, so, you know, I think... um, this, this, this. If Cardiff can get two, two past them, I think Newcastle are you know, probably five, six. Right. Yeah.
0: Dr Tom, um, just a quick update on the Newcastle ownership situation. Is there any sign of a new bid after that other one that seems so promising that just evaporated?
1: There's still interest behind the scenes, but th- this really isn't a good time to be buying a football club. If you want to buy a club, you want to be ready to press the button when the club is safe, if it's the Premier League club. So you're probably talking April, come in put your stamp on it, be able to spend in the summer when the market isn't as un- inflated. With Newcastle, though, it, it's such a good opportunity. It's probably the only one that could really break into the to the top six. The club is going to make 50 million quid in, in, in this financial year. So, like, it makes sense across the boards. Uh, like, if someone was going to give me a share of, of an MLS club or a share of Newcastle, I'd take a share of Newcastle. Would you? Really? Okay, so why is nobody doing it? I'm not really sure, James. I think we, we've had a situation that there's a little bit of a vacuum that we had quite a lot of people. There was an arms race for Chinese buyers to come in that then, obviously, systematically that was stopped. That created inflation in the market. So I think a few people thought that their assets were worth more than, mm-hmm. than they actually were, but. There's definitely interests uh, from the US in Premier League and and lower league English clubs because you look at the the riches and the wealth that's that's there to be generated and uh, there's there's people lending in football again. So, you know, I think it's a fantastic opportunity and I'm genuinely surprised that a deal hasn't been done yet. Hmm. Well,
0: that's the fixture list this weekend. But it's a very special treat for you, listener. Coming up after this, we'll be sticking around to spin some of you, the listener's, favourite footballing tunes. Stand by for action. Yes, listener, you're right. It is Matt Knopp with numero uno, the Gimino A celebration of the enormous talent of Luca Toni, who at the time was playing for Bayern Munich. And playing that, I mean, as if we need a reason. Because James Townsend asks a question that's not really related to it, Uh now that I look at it again. James Townsend says, what do you think about the news that former Southampton and Italy striker Danny Osvaldo says he gave up football to become a singer in a band because he likes to be free? I think it's good news because I want people to be free, and I like it when footballers make music or people make music about football. Who doesn't? Hey, yeah. Doctor Tom, Diamond Lights, <laughs> Head Over <laughs> Heels by Kevin Keegan. Hey,
1: Outstanding by Andrew Cole. What's your favourite football-related music track? Probably Bad Boys by uh, Edmundo and uh, Romario. Damn, that sounds amazing. <laughs>
0: Well, I see a point there. I asked actually today on Twitter what people's favourites, you know, uh, records actually recorded about footballers, but commercially released. I was astonished. Oli Juliasson recommends Huda Man by France. Have you heard that, Jack? Nope. He's just about to...
3: I'm a big fan of this song by Yuri Djokaev. Okay, Yuri Djokaev made a song himself. Yeah, Dans ta Lumière, Live in Your Light.
0: That's remarkable. That's Yuri
2: Djokaev. Yeah,
3: and the video is quite something as well. It's... I think it would—it's kind of peak George Michael, kind of oh, fast yeah. love. It's be its kind of that kind of thing. Really? Okay.
2: Yeah. On the rap tip, yes. As I believe the youth uh, say, the Ronaldo rap by Brazilian rapper Marcelo de Deuich about a phenomenon. About, yeah, it's called
6: okay.
2: "I'm I'm
7: Ronaldo." A couple of others we
0: should make a shout-out to. The very unreggae ish from Raphael Honigstein. Actually, <laughs> it wasn't by him. It's by, I think, was it Alan and Denise? Sexy Knees, as he puts it. The song's actually called Rummenigga Rummenigga. Check this out.
4: There's a football player with sexy
0: knees. With sexy knees. With sexy knees.
4: Talk about a man with sex and knees nigga Yep, recorded
0: in 1983 and still sounding as fresh as the days <laughs> Magnificent But anyway, so many great bits of music We could be here all day at, at Jazz FM But for me, the winner is a magnificent piece From Newport's very own Goldie-looking chain And their tribute to Tony Pulis <laughs>
1: Tony Pulis, one hell of a bloke. Tony Pulis, he manages Stoke. Tony Pulis, not from Brazil. He's from the port and he was born in hell. Tony played football in
6: defence, but now his playing career is in the past tense. He started playing football back in the day. The new port YMCA. His professional football career began. He played for loads of clubs like Gillingham. Ubart County, Bob of two,
1: and Bristol was just to name of few. Tony is a man of great ambition. Hung up his boots, got a managerial position. With his initials on his track suit, he taught the team how Alright, over to producer team. Ben with Paddy Power.
5: Thanks, Jimbo, Lee Price from Paddy Power. How are you, sir?
4: I'm very well. How are you, Ben?
5: Yep, good as gold, thank you, Lee. Uh, let's get stuck in because it's the return of the Premier League and the big one, or one of the big ones, is Liverpool v Spurs. Liverpool undefeated. Spurs coming into this off a defeat. Um, give us the overall for this one, and I have a feeling that Mane might be the first goal scorer.
4: Interesting. Very tight the odds here. Spurs are seventeen to ten. Liverpool the slight favourites, despite being away from home at seven to five, and the draws five to two. In the betting industry, we call this sitting on the fence in terms of the pricing. Mane would score first, though, 5-1. to one. No fence sitting there. Decent value, I think.
5: And you've got a money-back special on this one as well, Lee.
4: Yeah, money-back as a free bet if the beleaguered Harry Kane scores. That selected markets only, pre-match singles, max bet £10. TNT is apply, but he looks knackered.
5: Let's talk about Watford then, Lee. They are hosting Man United in the late game on Saturday. We've heard from Emma Saunders already in the show about the Hornets' winning start. Um, can their winning run
4: continue here? We think the international break came at just the wrong time for the Hornets. Actually, United, despite everything, are odds-on favourites for us. They're five to six. Watford, the chunky ten to three and the draws, twelve to five. If you do fancy Watford, that's a good price. But maybe their runs come to an end.
5: Other end of the table, West Ham still got no points at all. They're going to be at Everton, who uh, beat them twice last season and uh, quite handsomely. But
4: can West Ham get a point out of this one? We think not. We think they're going to get beaten again by Everton. Everton are even money favourites for this. West Ham 5-2 to, to win this game, uh, and the draw is
5: 12-5. And finally, let's talk about Arsenal versus Newcastle. Arsenal not so bad going forward. Shambolic in defence. Cardiff scored twice
4: against them. Can Newcastle do the same? Well, they can, but it depends if they get any of their men outside their own box or not. We make it 9-5. to five. That Newcastle scored two or more goals against Arsenal, but Arsenal remain the odds-on favourites for this one. They're five to six. Newcastle yet again a long price to win at home, three to one.
0: You can find out these odds and more at PaddyPower.com. All prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org and of course, when the fun stops, stop. And that's very much the operative word for this edition of the Totally Football Show. Many thanks to James Horncastle, to Jack Lang. Pleasure. Dr Tom, always always would like to have you on board. Great to see you. We're back on Monday. Listener, do enjoy yourselves over the weekend and we'll catch up with you then. You've been listening to the Totally Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production.
5: For sales and advertising, email sales at muddyneesmedia.com. And make sure you check out our other football podcasts, the revamped Totally Football League show with Caroline Barker and the brand new Totally Scottish Football Show. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts and the downright disastrous defeats.